Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions as we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. God, some of us are looking for you and we're missing you. From the pain of what we witness in a hospital room or the fragile bend of ethics in our job or the overwhelming devastating news we witness in our news feeds and on television, 
both in the streets of Columbia to the streets of the Holy Land. We pray fervently for your people in every corner of this earth and that you would open our eyes so that we could better attend to and care for your creation, your people, your children. We pray today for those who are looking for you and missing you. We pray for those who are grieving what once was and for those holding the light up toward what's ahead. God, we lift our chins to you and we marvel that you take interest in us, that you love us and that you entrust living things to our care. Guide us as we do our best to tend to each other. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the Psalms. We're in a a sermon series right now called There's a Psalm for That. So for every human emotion, experience, expression, there's a Psalm for that. Today we're reading Psalm 8, which puts us in a posture of awe. Listen now for God's word. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are humans that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things, all things under their feet. All sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds in the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. My spouse, Tim, was in Taipei, Taiwan this past week for work, which is really fun to say, Taipei, Taiwan. And he does this thing when he's traveling where he sends me, he texts me pictures and videos of things that he's seeing, like dumplings that he's getting to eat and artwork and buildings. And I'm really confused if he's doing this to make me jealous, which is usually what happens, or, you know, just to stay connected. One building in particular caught my eye this go round. It's an impressive skyscraper called Taipei 101. Has anybody ever heard of that size skyscraper before? All right, Claire, I see you. Taipei Taipei 101 was built in 2004, and it was the world's first skyscraper to exceed half a kilometer, so a third of a mile tall into the sky. At its opening, get this, on December 31st, they squeaked in to 2004. At its opening, December 31st, 2004, it was officially classified as the world's tallest building. Perhaps the most impressive, part of this skyscraper is the stabilizing ball that hangs on the 80th floor. It's 18 feet across, it weighs 500 tons, and it is suspended to swing to counterbalance the wind. Tim sent me this video, you can Google it. 
after church, you know, <laughs> of uh, Taipei, Taiwan, this stabilizing ball moving in response to an 8.6 earthquake. And y'all, it is wild. When I watch this video, there's this natural expression, at least that happens for me when I see something really cool, where my eyes get really big and my forehead scrunches up and I just can't help it. Just start saying, whoa, wow. We can't help but marvel at majestic things, to be in awe, to be inspired, to strive for more. In fact, when I saw this, y'all, I almost signed up for a physics class. Like, I, I gotta see what I can do. Taipei 101 held the title as the world's tallest building from 2004 until 2009 when another skyscraper knocked it out of its number one place. And right now it's still the tallest building in Taiwan and it's number 11 worldwide. Y'all, it's impressive what humans can do with our hands. This building is a work of art an achievement for all of humanity to celebrate. And we have to be really careful not to place too much awe on what human hands can do. We have to be careful, you and I, who profess to follow Jesus, what we put, who we put in that number one place. There's a story in the Old Testament about tall buildings. How many of you all remember the story of Tower of Babel? Some of you, yeah? Oh, there's a lot of hands now. So in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, if you flip to chapter 11, there's this story of a united human race that's trying to construct a building and a tower that stretches all the way to the heavens and they do it, they accomplish. And you know what God does in response? God confounds their speech. God humbles them because we're thinking too highly of ourselves. We're placing too much awe, even worship in the work of human hands. Now, it seems to me that you and I, we don't really need help from God to confound our speech. Like we're doing just fine in that area of misunderstanding one another. Plus God knows that we can build the tallest building and we can celebrate ourselves. And then, you know, you just gotta wait five years. Somebody's gonna out-engineer you and build one taller. I wanna invite us today to shift our mindset. And instead of putting human first, to put God first. And that's gonna affect the kinds of questions that you and I ask. Rather than the question, where is God in my story, centering my story and then just squeezing God on in, let's ask a more interesting question. Who are we to get to be in God's story? As Christians, we have this tendency when we hit like a crossroads and we're discerning what to do next, like maybe it's what major to pick in college or what job to take or where to live or who to be in a relationship with or how to build our legacy, who do we wanna impact? We have this tendency at these milestones to ask the question, what does God have to do with blank? And that's a good question but there's a more interesting one. If we flip that and put God at the center, we ask ourselves, what do I get to do with God's story? With my major or my career or my relationships or my legacy, how do I get to weave into God's greater design? 
There's a biblical scholar, Old Testament scholar, by the name of Walter Brueggemann, who points out that you and I, we get to exist alongside God. You hear that? You and I, we get to exist alongside God. And that's really the heartbeat of Psalm 8. The author focuses first on God. Oh Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God is sovereign, meaning that God has authority over all things. God is able through the mouths of babes to silence the enemy. When I look at the heavens, the works of your fingers, what are humans that you are mindful of us? What are we, O Lord, that you pay any attention to us? But not only does God pay attention to us, watch this, God shares the authority with us. God places us over the earth, meaning we need to care for the earth over every living thing. God gives us brains and collaboration and language and formulas so that we can construct cool things like Taipei 101. And yet, I don't know about you, but I find that from an air-conditioned, fluorescent, lit, screen-filled space where I spend most of my time, I forget to look at the work of God's fingers. I take it for granted. I focus on human achievements often more so than being in awe of God. Some years back, uh, I had the privilege of going to visit the Holy Land. And um, I was in seminary and there was this generous donor in Atlanta who wanted to send 20 theology students from different institutions. So there were some Presbyterians, there were some Baptists, there were some Methodists. Uh, We had some good conversations at nighttime, 20 of us. And the donor said, you know, before you begin to preach the word, I really want you to walk the land of the word. And not only were there 20 of us seminary students, but there were also 20 city leaders from Atlanta where the donor was from because the donor wanted their city leaders to encounter Christ through the land and the scripture and the people on the trip. It was really interesting to me, the donor did not go and instead sent two people, one, um, an Old Testament, New Testament scholar who could kind of interpret the scriptures for us in real time and connect them to where we were, and an archeologist who would show us what was found beneath the ground that we stood on. It's hard for me to pick a favorite day of this trip, but I really loved Mount Sinai. It was the only place in Egypt that we got to go, and we went in the middle of the night. Like I remember it was 1 a.m. and we are coming out of the tour bus. We've all got our headlamps, you know, and um, they paired us up each with a camel. This is really cool. My camel's name was Whiskey. He was a good boy. So the camels carried us up about two thirds of the mountain and then it got too narrow, too steep, too rocky for the camel. So we had to get off the camel and walk up the final third of the mountain on our own. When we got to the top, there's like huge boulders of rocks and it was still dark and our eyes had adjusted a little bit to the moonlight and we had been instructed on the bus to be quiet, that this is a holy pilgrimage. And uh, the, the scholar had told us that we were to read about Moses's encounter with God on Mount Sinai. So I, being a good student, 
found my little perch on a rock and I, I flipped through and I read about Moses' encounter to God. And then I just flipped through my Bible and I landed on Psalm 8. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the land, all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And as I'm reading these words, I start to see the light emerge on the horizon and it's like kind of a deep blue first and then purple and then cream and orange. And then what happened is uh, all these different groups around me clustered on the rocks around me, they started singing in different languages, different cadences, different keys, praise to God, to their creator. When I think back on this memory, I'm like, I thought that I was frustrated. You know, like here I was and I really wanted to enjoy this moment in peace and quiet, you know, like me and, me and God. Uh, and I would think like, oh, I would be frustrated that people are singing in different keys, some of them off key, you know, but I wasn't frustrated. I wasn't, I was in awe. I remember being completely overwhelmed in awe by the symphony of sounds around me. It was more than sounds really, it was an experience of the divine. I was in awe of God's work that day the work of God's fingers. I am in awe of God still. I wish I could go for a walk with each of you and ask you when you've been in awe of God, when God has been all up in your life and you've experienced the work of God's hands. I'll tell you what, I hear it from survivors of cancer in this congregation, I hear it from people who are trying to live each day to its fullest, knowing what could have been. I'll tell you what, some of those people, they rest on God's sovereignty because they know, they know that a lot of their life is out of their control. And you know where else I hear it? I hear it with our kids and our youth particularly when I get those text messages from their parents, like, hey, Dawn, so-and-so, four years old, ask me how God does blank. And I immediately say like, oh no. <laughs> Here's Trina's number, ask her. <laughs> She's our director of kids. She is golden. Y'all, in just a few minutes, you're gonna get to hear an original song by my friend Chessa. And the song is called Three Months of Darkness. Chess was telling me about this song. She wrote it on a seven-day solo retreat in the mountains of North Carolina, uh, specifically Little Switzerland. And uh, she went on this retreat to write. And for the first six days, the sun did not come out, like not once. Some will uh, relate to this experience, especially in the winter months, if you've got a job or school that starts before the sun is out, you know, you're going into a factory or an office before natural sunlight has come out. And maybe then you're driving home after the sun has already set. If you've had that experience, you kind of get where Chessa's going in this song. You miss daylight. You miss those grand transitions of the sun overtaking the sky. You miss the breakthroughs, the peak of light. Well, on the sixth day of Chessa's writing retreat, she said she was, you know, kind of 
turning her attention toward going back home and she had started a lot of songs but not really finished one yet, so she was feeling kind of frustrated. On the sixth day, the sun finally came out. So she said she tuned her guitar and she stepped out on the little uh, porch of her cabin and the beginnings of this song came out. Chessa and I chose this song to be the response to the sermon today because it bends us toward awe. It tilts our chin up to see the glory set above the heavens. It may even cause us to say, wow, oh Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. Shadows have gone Still eating breakfast With all the lights on Closed all the windows Cause they're of no Tell me I'm pretty 
As you go from this time of worship, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the interruption of the Holy Spirit may it be with you and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Go in God's peace. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.